0: radio rounds the podcast series from st louis children's hospital here's melanie cole About one baby in every 1,000 in the United States is born with Clubfoot. The good news is that there's a non-surgical treatment that, with rare exceptions, can correct Clubfoot and help children live normal lives. My guest today is Dr. Matthew Dobbs. He's a Washington University pediatric orthopedic surgeon at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Welcome to the show, Dr. Dobbs. So, first of all, what is Clubfoot and are certain children at risk for it?
1: Well, thanks for having me. And, and clubfoot is the most common uh, musculoskeletal birth defect. And as you said, it's one in a thousand live births that uh, have this a problem. And it does tend to run in families. You asked about who's most at risk, but it doesn't always. So, you know, in roughly 35% of situations, we will find a positive family history, meaning one or more uh, relatives within a several generation uh, pedigree will be affected.
0: So do we know what causes it?
1: We don't in the vast majority of cases we do not know the cause. There are some cases that are associated with known medical problems, uh, neurologic problems and muscular problems, but the vast majority occur in otherwise isolated cases, in other words, children with no other medical issues whatsoever. And if you wanted to, you know, sort of imagine what a clubfoot is or looks like, if you simulated weight-bearing So if you took a baby up that had clubfoot and tried to put them on their feet, they would be walking or standing on the top and outside of their feet. And the name, clubfoot name, comes from the end of a golf club. So that's really what the foot looks like. It's turned over and in.
0: So at what point is the condition detected? Is it something you would see in utero or, you know, would it be the obstetrician delivering that, that first notices this?
1: It is absolutely diagnosable on ultrasound, so in utero, and and many times today we get couples that will come in uh, before uh, delivering because they've had that diagnosis on ultrasound. And we actually like it when that's the case because we can actually educate them early on and alleviate fears and uh, really get them in tune with what the treatment is going to be.
0: So then let's talk about treatment for a few minutes. Is this something that is surgically necessary? I mean, it requ- it's not going to go away on its own, right? So it does require some intervention.
1: That is correct. Clubfoot foot does not go away on its own. It is not a positional uh, foot problem. It, it is congenital. Um, and it does require treatment. But luckily, uh, we have a, a wonderful method uh, called the Ponseti method that has avoided the need for surgery in the vast majority of patients. And it's turned treatment into a casting protocol uh, rather than a very extensive surgery that used to be used uh, uh, very commonly.
0: So speak about the Ponseti method, and also you invented your own device to treat clubfoot called the Dobbs Dynamic Clubfoot Bar. So tell us about that.
1: Yes, so the the treatment method involves serial casting. So we see the child and uh, parents in the clinic once a week, and we undergo a very, very brief uh, manipulation of the foot to stretch it out, and that takes about 30 seconds, followed by the application of the cast. And then they are seen weekly for that same procedure. And each week, we're able to stretch the foot out a little bit more. Uh, Before the very last cast goes on, most patients require a small procedure to lengthen the heel cord, and that's done in the office under a local anesthetic. So no trip to the operating room. And following all of that casting, so that's about two months in all, we go into a brace. And as you alluded to, I did develop uh, a brace that's used, and this is used to maintain correction. And the reason it's necessary is after successful casting of the clubfoot, there's a tendency toward relapse or recurrence. And so the brace prevents that from happening.
0: So then what do you tell parents about how long this would take and even other pediatricians that are continuing care with this child when they're wearing the brace?
1: So the bracing is something that is used for up to four years uh, after the cast correction. So this is a commitment. And we talk to the families about this in great detail uh, at every visit, uh, starting with visit number one. So I always tell them this is a partnership, and uh, and they are playing the leading role in this because the casting part, which I'm, you know, applying myself, that goes on for a couple of months. And then afterwards becomes the bracing protocol, and that goes on for several years. So it's really a team effort, um, and the old phrase, it really takes a village, is is, is very true uh, for clubfoot management. Uh, But when the families, you know, hear this early and initiate this protocol, uh, it's extremely successful.
0: So can you tell us something interesting about a particular case or diagnosis that you've worked with? I mean, you developed this brace, Dr. Dobbs, so that alone is fascinating. But what led you to do that?
1: Yeah, so this was it was I did this because of problems I identified, you know, in patients and and so the hardest part of clubfoot management is the bracing. And I alluded to it a bit, but it goes on for so much longer than the cast. Uh and so this is when the child is growing through toddlerhood and so forth, and it's difficult to keep a child in a nighttime brace during that time. And the old brace was just a solid bar So the kids couldn't move their legs independently. And the brace that I developed allows independent leg movement while still holding the foot corrected. And this really, my goal was to improve tolerance. And I knew that if I could make the brace that was well tolerated by the kids, then the parents would be more able to use it. And that was the impetus, you know, toward the development of the new brace.
0: So... Are there some treatments or research that you're doing at St. Louis Children's that other physicians may not be aware of? And give us a little blueprint for, you know, where you see this condition going in the future, kind of any future research or things that you see happening.
1: Yes. Yeah, so we've been very involved, my research team, on on researching clubfoot. You know, one of the aspects that we've been uh, heavily involved with is trying to understand genetic factors that cause clubfoot. So my team has identified uh, four genes that cause clubfoot in familial cases, so those cases that where there's multiple family members involved. So that's a very interesting part of my research. You know, another aspect is the clinical side, and we right now have a very large multi-center clinical trial going on trying to figure out how long bracing actually needs to be used. I mentioned we use this as a four- to five-year protocol, but there are some children that do not need it that long and others that may need it longer. And, and I'm teaching physicians now how to examine uh, the children and be able to pick up on predictive signs that will allow us to personalize foot treatment. In other words, we can see a child at birth and based on exam findings, be able to predict their individual risk of relapse and, describe and prescribe for them a personalized length of brace treatment. So that, I think, is really advancing the clubfoot treatment to the next level and, uh, you know, getting this out and, uh, you know, throughout the world on a treatment protocol, I think, is going to be the next, the next big thing for clubfoot management.
0: So in summary, doctor, tell other pediatricians what you'd like them to know about recognizing clubfoot and when to refer to a specialist.
1: So I, I, you know, I would want to, you know, recommend, uh, you know, in utero diagnosis is ideal, uh, and that's probably more for the obstetrician. Uh, if it hasn't been picked up on ultrasound, then you know, referral in the first month of life uh, after birth is really important because the earlier we start treatment, um, the easier that treatment process is, and it's easier to get through. Uh, bracing as the kids are younger uh, to get them used to that pattern. So early diagnosis, uh, early referral, and and I would want to sort of impress to the pediatricians that it's very important to find a Ponseti certified you know pediatric orthopedic surgeon to uh, perform this treatment method. And it's not uh, a universal thing to be able to uh, for all pediatric surgeons to be able to do or are trained in. So it's important to sort of get to the right subspecialist for treatment.
0: Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Dobbs. A physician can refer a patient by calling Children's Direct Physician Access Line at 1-800-678-HELP. That's 1-800-678-4357. You're listening to Radio Rounds with St. Louis Children's Hospital. For more information on resources available at St. Louis Children's Hospital, you can go to stlouischildrens.org. That's stlouischildrens.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.